Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pillar. Today we are recording just after the Calgary Flames fell to the Winnipeg Jets 3-2. feel like, Pillsy, we're going to have to clarify that now. Time of recording because things actually happen in the hockey world, which hasn't been the case in too long. Those three first days of NHL hockey, we'll, we'll recap all that. Hit on what some Sens abroad are doing and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, August 3rd. I finally won a bet. Pillsy, the Winnipeg Jets came through for me, but it has been a tough start to the gambling season in the COVID Cup playoffs. I have to be the biggest mush in hockey betting right now that there is. I don't think you can do worse. I've bet wrong on every single qualifying game I've bet. And not only have I bet wrong, I've doubled and tripled down all those games. Ross, the only hockey bet I've gotten right, and you got this one too, is McDavid would score the very first goal in that game. What a moment of excitement. I felt like I was hot. The kid is back, and uh, I'm colder than ever. Colder have you than tried, ever. Have you tried to fade yourself yet, or are you still going on that gut? Ross, we decided to fade ourselves in the Calgary-Winnipeg game because we were both so cold. And uh, we went with Winnipeg because we were very sure Calgary was going to win. And Calgary did win that first game. So fading myself did not work. The universe knows that trick. I don't know when things are going to turn around here, but it's got to be soon. Great series to start with our breakdown. Calgary-Winnipeg, the all-Canadian matchup and the one with the most animosity, the big story out of the first three days. I think the story is the injury to Mark Shifley, which Good news, doesn't appear to be long-term. He did miss game two. Unknown status. Line A also out of the lineup. Talk about a team who already was a little thinner than most in terms of depth, losing two of their top six forwards. But the play with Matthew Kachuk, I think we're in agreement here. There's no way that anyone would intentionally try to slash the back of an opponent's leg. No one other than Matt Cook. Let's make that clear. Um, Definitely... Matthew Kachuk, there's no way this was intentional. Absolutely no way. Because when Shifley's going to the boards, he kind of turns a little bit. And that's not the problem. The problem is when he turns, Kachuk tries to turn too. And he kind of does that stutter stop. You know, if, you, if you're if you trying to turn and stop too quickly, it, it takes two or three kind of chops at the ice to get stopped. And as he's doing that, his leg comes up and catches him. I mean, I think you can tell from body language. That shows a lot of the time if the guy meant to do it or not. I think it's pretty clear from the body language of Matthew Kachuk that was an accident. And we're we're a Kachuk family uh, stand pod here. So I don't think either of us thinks that there was any intention for Kachuk there on that play. Something that hasn't been thrown out in the media yet, but I, I, I wonder if it played a bit of a role. You know, when the ice is softer, it's harder to get that initial stop. It's a play that you don't see often where the skate comes up after an initial attempt. I wonder if at all playing in August would affect that, where the ice, the humidity, it's a little bit warmer. I know there's been some talk in Toronto that the ice hasn't been very great. Edmonton, a little more north, a bit colder weather, so maybe not the same issue. But I wonder if that's the case because it isn't a play that, that you see ever 
But without Shifley in the lineup, and then how about the fight? Uh, good stat I heard on the radio today listening to the live coverage of the Winnipeg-Calgary game. Uh, Blake Wheeler, who fought Matthew Kachuk after that incident, his last fight was against Brady Kachuk during the season. <laughs> so back-to-back fights against the Kachuk for Blake Wheeler and the Jets, but they came back and Ehlers going from zero to hero. Well, maybe hero even first because he flat out destroyed Matthew Kachuk with a clean, maybe a bit of interference, but that wasn't penalized. What was, was the taunting afterwards, the extra cross check, but Pilsy, he redeemed himself in the third. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you're in a situation like that, you better hope to, because that was a penalty he did not have to take. He nope. he made sure Matthew got the message, and he made sure three or four times. And, hey, again, kudos to Matthew Kachuk there. He didn't take the bait. He he knew exactly what was going on. He could have been aggravated and tried to push back, but he knew the ref was watching. He was like, nah, if you want to take this penalty, you go right ahead. But, yeah, either gets the last laugh there. And talk about another game where I was just so positive the Flames were going to turn this around and that did not happen. When I think they said the stat before the game, Shifley and Line, that accounted for 25% of the Jets' goals this season. So you're taking out a quarter of your goals scored and you still managed to beat the Flames. That or uh, Yeah, the Flames, that's impressive. Nick Ehlers with the game-winning goal. His first ever playoff goal pills. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Winnipeg, of course, making it to the conference finals in 2017. That was his 23rd playoff game and his first goal. And you put that against his regular season resume where he's been in the league five years and he has four 20-plus goal seasons. So he knows how to put the puck in the net. For him to go that cold for that long, what a power play. What a huge boost for the Jets going forward. Tied at one in the series, but... Not everyone was able to keep their composure. Andrew Mangiapane late in that game took a bonehead penalty down uh, with about 130 left. So really spoiling any attempt Calgary would have to try it. So each Canadian win in that series, each Canadian team with a win in that series, but you can't say the same for the two other Canadian teams or two of the other. Of course, Montreal won, but I'm talking about the two that got shut out. And that was the Vancouver Canucks 3 nothing. To Minnesota, where really, if your name isn't Elias Pettersson, you didn't do too much if you were on the Vancouver Canucks. And then one nothing, Jonas Corposalo made a couple 10-bell saves in a one nothing win over the blue team. Which one do you want to talk dive into first, Pillar? Well, seeing as we're in the heart of enemy territory, and Ross, you're down the street from where all this is happening, let's start with the Leafs and... Man, like, you know Tortorella is going to have his guys playing hard, but they were absolutely smothering this Leafs talent. And when you look at the talent comparisons that the Leafs have compared to these Blue Jackets, it's insane. But that's where coaching comes into these playoffs. John Tortorella knows how to get the best out of each guy, and he certainly got the best out of his tendy that game. Oh, my God. What I do like about Sheldon Keefe, though, is he rides his top six forwards and does so without any hesitation. Like Jason Spezza, I was going through all the sends abroad. We'll get to that later on in the show. But Jason Spezza, if you had to guess, do you know how much he played in game one? No clue. He played three minutes and 25 seconds. The fourth line for the Maple Leafs barely saw the ice. Austin Matthews, how about that 10-bell chance where he was right in the slot 
gets the pass and Jonas Corposalo. How about Torts too? He didn't want to explain why he started Corposalo, but it just reminded me of Guy Boucher saying, oh, what do people think of the trade now after Burrow? So Torts could have threw a little, what do people think about starting Corposalo now? That seemed like I thought it was a stretch because of how well Merzlikens played down the stretch during the regular season, but how much was that the difference in the game? I thought Columbus also played well as a five-man unit every single shift. Yeah, certainly Corpusalo deserves huge credit. I mean, anytime a goalie gets a shutout in, uh, I was going to say playoffs, but uh, postseason. We're counting them as playoff stats, but uh, yeah, let's go with postseason. 28 saves, by the way. We'll say postseason. Uh, obviously, that deserves amazing credit, but I'm with you, Ross. I'm giving more of this credit to the, the all-together effort of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the funny thing is is we're talking about this as if we're surprised. We saw this last season against a better, stronger Tampa Bay Lightning team. And the Blue Jackets were a better, stronger team, right? They had Duchesne, uh, Dezingle, Panarin, Bobrovsky. So really, dude, this shouldn't surprise us at all. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Leafs regroup because they need to get things going in a hurry here. And especially when a team that thrives on a run and gun offensive game, when you get shut out first game, you got to look yourself in the mirror and figure out what's wrong. Were there shades of Patrick Laleem, Joe Newendike on Cam Atkinson's game winner? It was far too much, like between the shoulder. And Anderson said he just didn't read it properly. And it's a shame that that ends up being the difference. It's also a shame that Laleem's career is depicted off of that goal. So another parallel as well, as we mentioned, we will always be relating it back to the Sens here on the Locked On Senators podcast. Pilsy, Austin Matthews finishes the game with 24-38, the most played by a forward outside of the Pittsburgh-Montreal, obviously, uh, deep into overtime game. But goaltending, the story in both those ones, especially in Vancouver as well. Alex Stalock, a surprise starter, would you say? I mean, that one was a really interesting one because Dubnik's been their guy. Ever since he showed up, he's been solid. But And it's not like Stalock. The interesting thing is Stalock's not this up-and-coming prospect that they're kind of grooming uh, to get ready. He's been around for a while, and he's not a household name, but... He has played in a couple playoff games before in five games total. He's got the start uh, this season and then only one other start. But goals against Savage of 1.33 and a 9.50 save percentage. And Dubnik, I think it was just it's just time to kind of pass that torch over because these Minnesota Wild team, they needed a spark. And I think playing for a guy who, like Alex Stalock, uh, you can ask him what he thinks about the Leafs. He definitely plays with a chip on his shoulder. So I think they're definitely supporting their guy. And I predicted that the Vancouver Canucks would have a clean sweep and the Minnesota Wild wouldn't even sniff a win and uh 3-0 win to start things off. So not looking good there. Well, Jared Spurgeon was the one who mushed you three points for the defenseman, two goals and an assist, but this game got off to an electric start. Just a minute and 19 seconds in, Michael Furland, who nobody expected to play, only made 14 appearances this season. He's been suffering with a lot of concussion issues, but that didn't stop him from dropping the gloves with Marcus Foligno. Two big boys, and that's a good fight. I'm a big fan of Marcus Foligno's game. I mean, he doesn't put up uh, heavy points, but I love his rough style, and he's a big kid, and they were throwing absolute haymakers. So uh, you got to love seeing that kind of fight early on, especially with that much passion to get the momentum going and get the guys fired up. Before we get to another series that had two 
fights. One was not even minutes into the entire postseason of NHL hockey. As a goalie-friendly show, we have plenty of that to discuss. But we're also a rock auto show, and for good reason. It's a family business that serves auto parts online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. How's that for some stability? All you have to do is go to rockauto.com, and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything. Look, they've got engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. And whether you're just a daily driver or you like to have it more as a hobby, they have everything you need in just a few easy clicks. And best part, especially if you need a part because you can't move your car, delivery is available for you. You can go to their rockauto.com catalog it's unique remarkably easy to navigate way easier than i had navigating that sentence you can see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on in their how did you hear about us at checkout. That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, Pillar, the probably reason for my most sorrow in terms of gambling over the start of the NHL restart has been the New York Rangers Carolina Hurricanes series. You want to get into the fight first or the surprise of the series? Let's get into that scrap right away. Justin Williams. Do you think he was going into that series pissed off that this wasn't a best of seven? He doesn't have an opportunity to be Mr. Game 7 here. And Mr. Game 5 just doesn't have the same ring to it. It just doesn't work. And Ross, I don't think Justin Williams thinking there's going to be a Game 5. Definitely started strong. Great tilt off off the hop there. Would have been a lot better if the Rangers didn't give up that quick goal. Jacob Slavin with a nice shot over Longfist's shoulder there. Not much he could do. And the Hurricanes are playing solid, solid hockey. And it was high tempo. There was a lot of really good hits. Brady Shea getting in the mix against his former teammates. Stirring things up too. So I think that series has been one of the most exciting so far. And we had guessed that going in, but what we got wrong was the expectation that it would be Igor Sesterkin in goal for the Rangers. It's been Hank Lundqvist, but he hasn't been the difference. No, absolutely not. And to say, you know, he hasn't been amazing and he hasn't been terrible. He's just he's just been all right, which is you can't really expect too much more out of him. The Rangers need to tighten up uh, defensively. Svechnikov getting a hattie today and... No chance on any of those goals for Hank, in my opinion. The difference is, and you said it, we thought Shosturkin was going to be in here. And we thought, okay, maybe he missed game one. He's going to be in for game two. That doesn't look like it. He's still in the stands, not even on the bench. So it's a tough decision. But I honestly think you stick with Hank here. I don't think you go to Gorgiev here because you're down two zip. I think the guys can rally. They don't want this to be Hank's last playoff or postseason appearance getting swept. So I think they're going to rally around that, and they're going to find a way to win the next game. Will they win three in a row? I doubt it, but I don't think Carolina's getting away with the sweep here. They have looked so good offensively, and most notably, two guys who are less than 22 years old. So we knew it was a young man's league, but what 
not only Sebastian Aho, who's proven and who's gotten the big contract, what he's done, but man, oh man, and as much as we love Brady Kachuk, I think if you do a redraft of 2018 right now, Sveshnikov still goes ahead of him. That guy is so smooth with the puck. He scored the first hat-trick in Kane's postseason history, which I found to be pretty surprising. A team that's been to the Cup Finals twice has won a Stanley Cup and even got to the Conference Final last year. So, man, he looked unbelievable. Can it be expected? We know their strength on the back end, but that their offense can keep at this pace? I think so. Like you said, those guys are on fire. Tara Vinen is uh, a solid guy that I like too. And the funny part about all this, Ryan Dezingle, healthy scratch for both of these games. Like what? A, like maybe him and Rob Brindamore don't get along that well. And you can kind of see that. He obviously wasn't a torts guy. I feel like Rob Brindamore probably coaches in a very similar way, holding guys accountable and stuff like that. So like if you have the luxury of so much offense that you can hold a guy who is, is usually really great offensively and Dezingle off the lineup for two games and win both of them and not even sweat, you're looking pretty good if you're the Carolina Hurricanes. If they can find a true number one goalie, this could be a solid contender for years to come. We will continue with Sens abroad momentarily. Of course, Dezingle being one of the stories, both games, I was surprised, although you wouldn't expect Brindamore to be the kind of coach to mix with a winning lineup as the Canes had in game one. But before we move on from that series to Henrik Lundqvist, he's not going to catch the streak of Brodeur, 194 straight playoff starts. Yeah, let that sink in. Is that good? But Henrik Lundqvist today started his 129th consecutive game with the New York Rangers, which is th- four less than Patrick Waugh with the Avalanche, which is the second most consecutive postseason game started at once. So as a goalie-friendly show, we have to shout out Hank for that. But we also have to get in to our Sens abroad. Mika Zibanejad from that series as well. He was the story in Game 1 with a goal and an assist. No Ranger would even have the ability to get to those numbers in Game 2 as they only scored the one goal. But Mika looking good, leading the Sens abroad. What did you like from his game in the first one and I guess throughout this first two games? Ross, it seemed like every time there was a line change, it was Mika coming back on. Like, we thought for sure he was getting double shifted at so many points. And how many, we talked about this stat, didn't he play like nine minutes of special teams in that first game? Like, it was absolutely crazy. He's on the PK, he's on the power play, he's blocking shots, he's playing smart defensively. Like, Mika Zibanejad is, if you don't believe it now, you better believe it. He is an elite number one centerman, and he's going to be, a lot of people think he's going to be the captain for this team coming in the future. So Mika, he's proven he can do what it takes in the playoffs. Now he just needs a little help from his team, and especially that decor. 8.29 on the power play, 6.21 shorthanded in game one. He played a game high, 25.08. Wow. Did you hear that? Not for forwards. He played a game high. 25 minutes and eight seconds. He played just over 20 minutes in game two. So a workhorse for the Rangers. Let's transition to a couple centermen, also former senators, and they were on the wrong side of things. Nashville losing game one to the Arizona Coyotes. But what are the odds that A, a double deflection is going to go bar down, and B, it would be Kyle Turris and Matt Duchesne who are the deflectees? You know what? I feel like that's just the sen- like the senator's dumb luck curse following them around. Is Matt Duchesne cursed? 
He's got to be. I think, uh, and every time you say is Matthew Shane cursed, I always place that picture of him with the the green screen behind him and a flat face and the abs trying to get psyched for their uh, upcoming season when he demanded to be traded in the classic quote, I'm, I'm just here because I have to be. He might be cursed. I think so. And it seemed like I didn't catch that game, but the highlights I watched, every single highlight ended with Matt Duchesne looking to the ceilings and shaking his head. He was a dash two and he was in the box for one of those goals. Like just tough. He had a good run with uh, Columbus last year. We got to give him that 10 points in 10 games, but he's played 19 playoff games in a career that has spanned nine seasons. So um, maybe with more opportunity, but I don't see Nashville making any noise. Um, They're a team also where goaltending has been a bit of an issue starting Saros, which was a surprise. Rene had played 86 straight games for Nashville in in the postseason between the pipes. So that was a surprise. It didn't pan out. But let's go to another pair of Senators from the ones in Nashville to Long Island. It did not take J.G. Pajot long to get on the score sheet. And how about the excitement from Brass once he realized Pajot knocked that one in? Brass had a great game. Like, he looked good. Yeah, he's he's... He's solid, and I think he's kind of settling into this new role that he's going to have. It's kind of kind of a bottom six forward and a winger, especially. He's really looking nice, and now that he's accepted his role, and I think if anyone's going to keep a guy like that going, it's Barry Trotz, and he's playing with his old buddy JG. Like these two are going to produce, I think, together, and it could be interesting to see what they do. They definitely hooked up nice there, and uh, Islanders. Despite what everybody says about them, they just keep on chugging along. We would be remiss if we did not end the show on Sends Abroad with the tweet that got the most action at Send Central. We're following all the Sends Abroad all postseason long. It's our boy up to his old tricks, Cody Cece, with two minor penalties in the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And what was he doing behind the net? I think you could say that uh, often for Cody CC and the Leafs. They definitely have CC goggles. They're they're overusing him just like the Senators did. I think it's hilarious. This just keeps happening. But Cody CC, that was not a good showing for him in Game One. He's got to smarten up for Game Two. One notable thing I saw from the box score in that game, however, was he played zero minutes and zero seconds shorthanded. So maybe learning a lesson special teams wise. They did they've got that Hall and Muzzin Perrin that obviously is your number one PK, but then they're going with uh, Dermot and Riley instead. So CC getting bumped off the PK in uh, in TO. And with that, I think it's good to leave you there. Hopefully you enjoyed actually hearing about real live hockey games again. So we'll be happy to be back. We'll be tweeting out, as I mentioned, all the sends abroad stuff on Twitter at Send Central, and we'll be back with more on Wednesday. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.